3: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football podcast. Here's your host, John Halphen.
1: Hey everybody, it's John Halphen welcome to the August 1st. Oh my gosh, August 1st episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Football podcast, sponsored by draft.com. My um, guest today is my friend Scott Pienowski from Yahoo Sports. And Scott, if it is a preseason podcast so far, it involves me talking about Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. More fluff from the Seahawks this week. What do you make of the situation? Do you do you have to worry about Chris Carson if you were a Rashad Penny uh, supporter?
3: I think you have to worry a little bit, only because a big tenant of Pete Carroll's competition, and I don't think the Seahawks are the type of team that is going to live and die with a, a draft pedigree and, and just say, okay, well, we drafted this guy in the first round. He has to play. I think, I mean, look, look what they did a few years ago. I know this is total apples and oranges, but they spent a ton of money in free agency on Matt Flynn. Mm-hmm. And then they found this quarterback in Russell Wilson, who they thought had a high grade and they, they went out and got him. And, and you know, quickly transitioned to the point that Wilson was their starter on opening day. I mean, you could say that's a very unusual situation because you know, Russell Wilson's don't walk down the street. Every league, every team in the NFL would love to draft the next Russell Wilson, you know, who, who they pay nothing to. And then he becomes a franchise quarterback. I mean, that's you know, like, like a once a decade thing, but um, yeah, this has always been a team that doesn't care where you're drafted. And as it is, I mean, you know, Penny's going to the fourth round anyway. I mean, um, it's it's not like your 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 whole team rides on him, but I do think Carson's going to have some role and that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, how many teams in the NFL have true bell cows where it's one guy and then everybody else gets scraps? Um, the teams are just designed to have multiple players handle the ball and even some of the most successful teams, I mean, you have the Patriots, the Eagles, the Saints, I mean, they're always using multiple backs. So I think Carson is going to have a role. I, I haven't been really eager to draft anything from this backfield because I'm more worried about the offensive line might be bad. I think the defense might collapse. Um, I was, I was actually all excited to get a bunch of Doug Baldwin. And now he's dinged up. So, you know, I have to take a step back from that because I, I'm so concerned to draft into injuries if I don't get a significant discount, but um, you, you know, you mentioned one other thing too with, with coach speak. I mean, Whenever anybody, any coach has something positive about a player, I take it with a huge grain of salt. I actually am more likely to trust coach speak when it's negative, when they're hammering on somebody, when somebody's really falling down for whatever and they can't keep it out of the media. That kind of perks my ear up. But there are a million guys right now, you know, best shape of their life. Or they (laughs) go, oh, my God, he scored four touchdowns yesterday, you know, in a... Monitored scrimmage where every play was running from the two yard line or something, you know. Right, you have to really be careful with that stuff. And I, I will admit, I tune a lot of it out.
1: Yeah, I remember last year, one of the big ones was Christian McCaffrey, um, faking out uh, Luke Keekley in a one on one drill. It's like, guys, it's a one on one with the running back, of course, he's gonna win, it right? It doesn't matter who it is. So, but yeah, Pete Carroll's also praising CJ ProSize again. So, I'm not going down that rabbit hole anymore, no more for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Folks, um, please check us out on Twitter. Scott's at Scott Pianowski. I'm at jhelpin37. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. You can get player updates at Rotowar NFL or find us on Facebook. Okay, let's go back to Seattle. You're a, I know you're a Doug Baldwin fan. I am too. It's hard not to be. We like Doug Baldwin. Um, but you talked about injuries. Expected to miss a couple of weeks uh, in camp due to knee
3: soreness. What's your worry level on that? Probably a six or a seven. And mm-hmm. I hate saying that. He was somebody who... If everything went wrong at the tail end of a second round, I was prepared to take him. I thought he was a perfect third-round pick. Uh, now, second round's off the board. And in the third round, I was actually in draft last night, and he was sitting there in the middle of the third round, and I said, you know, I really don't want to take him. And then it just so happened that other options, I, I don't even remember who I who I ended up getting, maybe Adam Thielen or somebody, or uh, actually Mike Evans fell, so I took Mike Evans, which is investing in a whole nother kettle of fish, because you know Tampa Bay has problems, but at least Evans, as far as I know, is healthy right now. But I am so floor-driven with my early picks especially. It's it's one thing when, you, when you're picking somebody in the ninth round or the 13th round and they have a scrape and you just accept it. And if they don't work out, you can cut them easily. You need your best players to be your best players. You need to have a high hit rate. With those early picks, and uh, I'm, I'm so risk averse, Baldwin is going to drop a full round on my board until I know more about it. And and somebody might say, well, you know, what if it ends up being great? What if this ends up being nothing? Okay, well then I don't have Doug Baldwin. I mean, there's a lot of other players who are going to be fine, right. and I can live with that. I, I always feel like injuries are going to find you, so I'm not going to seek out injuries again <laughs> unless the room, if, if everybody in the room walks away from a player, and then the price gets really tempting, that's one thing. But I think. It's human nature. I've written about this before, and I say it every year. And maybe people are sick of me saying it, but I just think it's human nature to want to see what's possible, and want to see what's good, and want to see what how a player could develop. And you know, maybe you knew him in college, or maybe you were excited when he was drafted, or you know, whatever it is. You 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 want to see players do well. I mean, nobody goes to the fans and says, okay. I hope everybody in the league stinks. I hope nobody scores this year. I hope, I hope the, the leading touchdown you know, running back has five touchdowns. I hope every game is 10 to 9. Nobody wants that. We, you know, we all want our players to do well. We want exciting games. I and mean, it's much more fun to talk about the, uh, the high end of ranges than the low end of ranges. You know, Everybody wants to fill their flushes and straight draws. You know, nobody wants to miss them. So,
1: and, you want, and you want to be the one who's on that. Right, it's not just wanting to see good, but you want to see. You know, it's it's fun at the end of the season if you went into the season thinking, you know, hey, I think Doug Baldwin could be a a top five fantasy receiver, or you know, the 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 stars are aligning for him to to lead, to lead the league in receptions, and you get that, and you're right,
3: it's fun. Right, yeah. If you saw, for example, if you saw Todd Gurley coming or the Rams coming on any level because they had all sorts of breakouts, and of course, Gurley became the poster child of the season and the number one determinant of did you win your league last year was did you have Todd Gurley mm-hmm. so you you know you if you saw that it's one thing if you you, you took him kind of pro proact- uh, reactively but if you took him proactively if you said okay we're getting rid of this uh, Jeff Fisher era and you know Sean McVay is coming in a modern coaching staff he's going to be used in the passing game the offensive line has been upgraded if you were in on that man I mean the whole season felt like a coronation I mean uh, Gurley was just okay for a few weeks but then he very quickly grabbed the season by the throat and made it his or or even just picking up the right guy. Sometimes, I mean, if you got in on Dion Lewis at the right time last mm-hmm. year, uh, he didn't do much for the first three or four weeks, but I think he was like running back seven from week four on, and, and he was getting double digit touches in an offense that just basically escorts their running backs into the end zone. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's what we remember. Nobody looks back and says when they won their season, it's all about what went right. It's not about oh, I got I traded this guy at the right time. Oh, I I, fade, I didn't draft any of this guy and you know he he stunk. That's not what we remember. We remember our hits. Remember our home runs. You know, remember the, the time we hit the ball over the fence, not, oh, I took a really close 3 2 pitch, and then the next guy hit a home run. I mean, people don't think like that.
1: Right. Um, back to the patch, real quick. Uh, is Sony Michelle worth that, let's
3: say, late fourth, early fifth pick? I'm just nervous of the fumbling issue. And it, it's so weird, too. You have know, Seattle, New England first round running backs. A lot of people didn't see that coming, uh, although some right. people did. I think Evan Silva predicted the Michelle pick. So, hat tip to him. It's so unlike the Patriots, they do not spend first-round capital. Uh, they haven't taken a first-round receiver, I think, since Terry Glenn, the Lake Terry Glenn, that was 1995. And Marone, Lawrence Maroney was the last running back they took in the first round. That goes back a couple of eras. But New England is going to use multiple backs. James White is going to have a role. And right now I'm worried that Burkhead probably has a leg up in being the, the goal line back. He had a very unusually high touchdown rate last year, which nobody expects to repeat, but he's going to get a lot more volume if he stays healthier this year, which I think is a reasonable bet right now, now that he's, you know, he's held, at least as we head in August. So I like having shares of the Patriots running backs or having a share in this backfield. I just don't want to pay the high end range of it. Right. And because Michelle qualifies as a shiny toy, you know, again, when I think people want to, I think people want to tell themselves the story of New England doesn't take running backs in the first round. They did this time. They must feel really good about Michelle. And I, I don't. I think they're a team that's going to again going to be based on competition. They're going to have two or three backs you play every week, and it's not always going to be obvious. Although I think the whole. Run away from the Patriots' backfield. You don't know what they're going to do. They're just going to screw you. I think that whole meme is played out and misleading. Yes, I agree. You know, two years ago, Blount was the set, running back seven. You get to him really easily. I know last year, Gillisley had that one game and then kind of fell off the map. But you could get to Deion Lewis very reasonably early in the season and trust him. And he was getting double-digit carries just about every week. And then Burkhead was even a, a reasonable flex guy. So uh, the boogeyman Belichick thing, throw that out the window. That said, where I see Michelle going in the fourth round, I feel like that's the high end of his range, and I don't feel comfortable paying at that high end. I, I think I agree with you. Um,
1: more news. Uh, this is a lower-end guy. Chris Thompson. I think a lot of people have their eyes on him in uh, in PPR. He says so far in camp, and this, may, this might just be words that don't mean a lot, says he's hesitant to cut on a surgically repaired knee. Might not. He thinks he might not be full strength until a year after his surgery, which is November. Um, he's out there so you know I mean are are, I mean I I don't know if you were in or out on him anyway and it's not like you're investing a high draft pick in I mean right now I'm looking at ADPs from MFL he's he's probably 10th round but if he was a guy you were targeting in PPR later are you still does this affect you one way or the other
3: it probably falls into my optimism pessimism rules where when players get hurt they always say you know I I'll, I'll be back at you know I'll be back when the DL stint expires. I'm a quick healer, you know. They're saying 6 to 8 weeks. I'll be back in 4 to 6 weeks. Mm-hmm. These, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Players grow up as superheroes. You know, they're the best player in their town. They're the best player in their high school. They're the star of their college, you know. And in a lot of cases, they're trying to mark their territory where they don't you know they don't want to encourage the team to think they need somebody else. They don't want to get replaced. The shelf life of an NFL player so incredibly short especially a running back so when a player tells me and I don't mean to laugh because I like Chris Thompson he's a really fun guy to watch yeah he is and I respect I respect there's so much crap floating around in the NFL that when somebody is honest like every once in a while Mike Tomlin will just get to the podium and be really honest about injuries or about his team and and I really respect that because so many coaches are just telling you stuff that you know I just remember Lou Holtz getting up and saying, we're, "We're going to have trouble beating William and Mary. Man, they're long snappers; unbelievable, best in the country. You know, stuff like that." So don't
1: look, look you know, at you making the Tomlin William and Mary connection.
3: It's like don't you know, don't <laughs> pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. You know. So the thing with Thompson is that when when he tells me that he's not well or he's you know he's battling something and it's going to be an issue for a while. Uh, you so rarely hear that, that 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 to me is a siren that to me is okay. I, mean, I, I wish him well and I, I love watching him he's a really exciting player dynamic and he and that offense just can't seem to get a break I mean they, they can't seem to keep Jordan Jordan Reed healthy he's obviously a game changer and Thompson is a player that just one of those guys when you know I don't think you even need to own Thompson when he gets into his flow of his game it's just exciting to watch and I just as a football fan it it gets me going whether or not it's helping my my dfs or my fantasy rosters or you know if i picked washington in that game i don't really care i just like watching the guy he's so exciting he's got a little bit of that darren sproles in him but um when he's telling me these things of his own accord with you know with no incentive to tell people that it makes me very nervous and it makes me extremely reluctant to draft him he might as well not be on my board right now all right um Let's go to Oakland. Amari Cooper, I think this
1: falls under the best shape of his life type of conversation. Um, There was a word from NFL Network yesterday. Amari Cooper reported to camp at 225 two years ago. Let's see, three years ago, actually, when he was at the combine. He was 211. Um, So he bulked up a little bit. Probably doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Amari Cooper is an interesting guy because – if you look at his first two seasons, I mean, last year he struggled with some injuries. He didn't miss many games, but he was kind of banged up. And, and you almost want to give him, or at least I do, almost want to give him a mulligan. The first two years, they're pretty good. Not enough red zone targets, certainly. And, you know, a very it was always a fun thing that, you know, why is Crabtree and and who
3: was the other guy? Seth Roberts? Getting all the red zone stuff. Well, at least Crabtree was a good player. Seth Roberts always reminded me of, like, the coach's son. Where it's like, you know, <laughs> why is the coach's son batting cleanup and playing shortstop when he's the worst player on the team? They throw it on Tim on the five-yard line again. Um, so, I mean, Cooper's first two years, you look at him, and he averaged,
1: you know, 77, 78 catches, 1,100 yards, and they were pretty good. And you looked after the second year, and you went, I want more. I feel like I should get more. What do you think we're going to get out of Amari Cooper?
3: Great question. It, We—it's human nature to want the progression of a player to be linear, to to, to be like a uh, you know like a rocket taking off. Where okay, you're on the ground, you're lift off, you're going higher, you're, you're ascending, you're a plane, you know, off the runway, right? You just, with that nice angle, or that you think of the launch angle of, of a home run hitter. You know, you think of Barry Bonds' swing or Ted Williams' swing or something like that, and. Truth is, it's, it's like a stock chart. I mean, it goes up and down, and there's different reasons for it. The thing I struggle with most with Cooper, because I, I would like to tell myself a story pro-Cooper, and I actually have some Cooper, which speaks to how much I've drafted already. I, you know, with MFLs and stuff, I'm probably over 20 drafts right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not really big on, um, well, first of all, Martavis Bryant is somebody I just wouldn't draft. And I think Jordy Nelson has just about nothing left. And even though Marshawn Lynch is priced reasonably, I mean, you know, he's just so late in his career. I mean, Cooper should be the guy in this offense. And the Raiders are talking like they want the offense to go through Cooper. So if they just, you know, pepper him with volume, I think he could make sense in the third round. And he's really good if you get him in the fourth round. But the big stumbling block I have is I don't know what to think of John Gruden. I mean, this is a guy 10 years out of coaching. And and, and again, look, you got to be skeptical about anything coaches tell you. But the way he talks – it's almost like John Gruden is proud to be behind the times. You know, it's, he wants to play 1998 football. He sounds like the type of guy who would tell you, "I don't have a phone." You know, I'm I'm, I'm still you know I don't have email. You know, I'm not yeah you know, I don't use my phone to, to figure out how to go. I you know, I get a map and write it down on a piece of paper. You know, I mean it just seems right. like you just show up at, the, at camp in a horse and buggy or something. And um, so much of what the NFL has become, the best coaches are either the guys who have been around for a while who evolve, and you know Belichick's like that we see some of these whiz kids like McVay, you know, um, Doug Peterson used a lot of modern. And I, I don't want to go too far with it. It's not like the Eagles were using this offense design from NASA, but you know, look at how aggressive they were on fourth down and unafraid to, you know, maybe, right. you know, pay, pay homage to the conventional wisdom that has run the league too much. I think the Raiders made a, went the wrong direction. I think they could have gone one of two ways. And it's not easy to know who the right coach to hire is. And with, you have to take leaps of faith. I, I don't know if the, Bears hired the right coach or not? I don't know if the Titans hired the right coach or not, but I feel confident they had the wrong coach in place beforehand. Mm-hmm. Titans had the oldest coaching staff in the league. The Bears, you know, John Fox really need to get those guys out of there. And everybody's hoping to hit that McVay Fisher home run. It's going to be hard to duplicate that. But I'd much rather bet on the young guy. I'd yeah. much rather bet on that than than somebody. And, and Gruden's been an announcer for ten years. I was I was, used to laugh when there'd be rumors that he'd go back to the Raiders because I think. Doesn't he know how great he has it? Monday Night Football is a high-profile job. He's well-paid. There's no pressure. He never has to win another game. He just has to show up. And I never even thought he was a great announcer. I thought he could have been a great announcer. He certainly understands the game. But you know, everybody was, you know, this guy's a football player. And just everything was just so wonderful and happy. And I don't know. I, I, I'm out on John Gruden. And it makes it – I'm not going to say I won't draft Cooper. But they're all reactive picks and not proactive picks. And what I mean by that is there are guys who, you know – I could have five or six choices and there are players who would percolate to the top and I would be happy to choose. You know, Baldwin was one of those guys before he got hurt, a guy who I'm tar- actually targeting and eager to get. And then there's reactive picks where it's like, oh, everything went wrong. This entire, you know, uh, this, Q- this tier got drained. This is the last guy here. I guess I have to take him. That's where I am with Cooper right now. Okay. And I agree with you about the
1: young coaches. It, it reminds me of all the, I mean, for the last 10 years or so, Every time there was a rumor, I'm, I'm from New York, and every time there's a rumor about one of the coaching uh, jobs in New York being open, the, the New York Daily News runs a Bill Cowher headline. And it's just right, constant. You know, it's, it's it's like
3: clockwork. And I and I always it used to be Parcells for a long time too. Yes, right? every, every job is Parcells is going to come out of retirement, right? And it was Belichick getting.
1: I mean, not an announcer, but a, a, a There were rumors there that Belichick was going to leave the Patriots because it was when that those Brady stories were out. In other words, they were right. ridiculous. Right. But. But I'm with you. I'm always, I, I always think, I don't want Bill Cowher. I want the next Bill Cowher. Yes. And you know, if you miss, fine. But you know, be ambitious. Yeah, try to hire the guy who's going to be with you for 20 years like that. That's, I always think of it that yeah, way. Yeah, I
3: remember uh, Bill Simmons wrote a piece, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, how he thought 55 uh, was the rule with coaching, that he thought that once a coach became 55, they were just too old. And the idea is, I don't think people realize just how just awful, and I don't mean to go down a grim uh, path here. But coaching is incredibly stressful, and a lot of these guys. I mean, you hear your stories of Dick Vermeil slept at his office, and right. Andy Reid sleeps at his office, and the pressure that these guys live through. It's why when I see somebody like like the late uh, Tony Sperano, just died recently in his fifties, I want to say mm-hmm. a terrible. I, I haven't I haven't delved deep in, into what uh, actually killed him, but I know coaching and you know, rest in peace. I mean, Tony Sperano... Um, brought joy to my life. He, he uh, even though I'm a Patriots fan, I have much respect for how they ambushed the uh, Miami's uh, Speranos, Miami team ambushed the Patriots in 2008 with a Wildcat. Didn't last long in the NFL, but it was really fun while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a good guy, but you know somebody who was an NFL and a football lifer, and that you really pay a price for. for we always, we all know the price the players pay. That's well documented. there has been all sorts of media put out about that. I don't think the price that the coaches pay is fully maybe out in the public yet. And I think this comes to a point where maybe, maybe the older coach, whether it's not being too rigid with new ideas, or maybe he just doesn't have that motor to put in the hours. another coach would, you know, maybe he's not grinding film as much. Um, There's a reason why I think you have to turn over your coaches. I think Belichick's high, of course a unicorn. I mean, you know, you're just not going to find a lot of coaches like him, but I would want to be on the young side of that as much as I can.
1: I would too. I mean, and, and I understand you know, that sometimes that you know people are going to go, oh, what about Tom Coughlin? And what about uh, Dick Vermeule when he went to say, okay, fine. But I think most of the time I, I, I think you and I, yeah, we agree. Um, okay, Wildcat made me think of a guy. I was going to ask about this guy anyway. Um, so our first game, the Hall of Fame game, is on Thursday night. It's Bears-Ravens. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, you look at it. I mean, that what you can, what we as fantasy analysts or players can glean from preseason games is, is roles and you know what when when the first team is on the field, um, what kind of personnel they're using, and and you know are they using two tight ends, that kind of thing. Does Lamar Jackson make the Hall of Fame game sort of must see TV right
3: now? I'm excited to see Jackson. Um, the name that people keep bringing up when they compare him. And comps, you can get in trouble with comps, but the name people can't help but mention when they mention Lamar Jackson is Michael Vick, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I hope people who are maybe the, some of the younger viewers or listeners we have, I, I hope they if, if you didn't see Vic, I mean, you know, this, I think there's a thirty for thirty on him, and pretty sure they did an NFL.com documentary on him too. I mean, what an unbelievably electric player he was. He generally wasn't a great passer. He had one season with the Eagles where he had a really good uh, passing stats, but generally he was more of an athlete. An unbelievable open field runner and a guy who, look, let's face it, r- rushing production from a quarterback is a cheat code. I mean, it, 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 the trick is you need to be able to run and not get hurt. You need to be able to beat Cam Newton and with, with, withstand the punishment as opposed to some of the quarterbacks. You know, Mariota's gotten hurt. We don't know if Deshaun Watson. How much can he handle with with that part of his game? But Jackson, yeah, Jackson. Another interesting thing to me about him is that Flacco has been pretty open-minded about embracing jackson it's not unusual for the starter and the incumbent just to treat the backup quarterback like he doesn't exist or at least like a, at best like a little brother right and Flecko admits that you know like he's the future of the team he's going to play you know he needs to have some role on this offense and all that stuff so I, I don't know what the ravens are ready to do i mean it's so early in the preseason you know maybe they're just going to run out a bunch of scrubs and stuff but i would love it if jackson gets playing time in this game and also. You wouldn't think the Bears would use a bunch of primary players, but that's a team I'm dying to use because I want to see what Matt Nagy's up to yeah. and, and all the changes, right? I mean, they're, the, everybody in that, on that offense, it feels like, is in their second year with the team or is new to the team. So, so many moving parts with the Bears. I think they're a team we have to get a handle on this preseason and because just so much is changing and there is a tangible upside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and back to what you mentioned a minute ago. Yeah, you talked about a couple of running quarterbacks like Cam Newton. You, Cam Newton – is a great Russian quarterback. But it, if you compare Michael Vick to him, I mean, they're different styles, but Michael Vick was on fast forward compared to Cam Newton,
3: speed-wise. It was well, just Also, ridiculous. I was always worried that Vick was going to get clobbered. The thing with Newton is he's so big. Yeah. The, the only thing wrong with Newton's, um, just the, the size of him and, and how athletic he is and, and just how strong and sturdy he is, is that it encourages the league to just allow everybody to, to hit Newton as much as they want. It's really hard to get a, I, I know this has been talked about a lot. I'm not saying anything new and, and maybe it's, it's been done too much, but you really have to clobber Cam Newton in the pocket to, to get a personal foul flag. Cause it's like right. the Shaq syndrome, right? Where Shaquille O'Neal was bigger than everybody else. And so the last thing the officials were going to do is feel sorry for Shaquille O'Neal. And you could really hammer him in the post. I think that, the way it was told to me, I didn't see this myself. But I, it was like that with Will Chamberlain. I mean, he was just this giant, and you know, with people, you know, several inches smaller trying to guard him, and then it led to different officiating of them. Famously, Will Chamberlain never followed out of a game either. But uh, with Newton, you know, he's so sturdy. But I feel like I don't know if you agree with me. I know you're, you. You at one point were from Carolina. I don't know. You're I still am. Like, yes, I still am. So you probably know Newton even better than I do. Uh, do you feel like they let? They they let defenders maybe hit Newton more than they would a different quarterback. Yes, and I have used the Shack analogy as well. Okay. I think it's
1: a perfect a, a perfect description of it. That you know the guy's just so big that they take and it's not. I, I was going to joke when you said it, saying you know at least you said it and I didn't this time. <laughs> but it, it, it's true that because he's so big, people are are allowed to take different liberties. I mean, I don't think people are necessarily taking cheap shots at him all the time, but mm-hmm. but there are calls that that you know guys like. Breeze and Brady get that he doesn't. And, I, and I'm not saying it to be, you know, to be, to whine about the Patriots, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I, I, to you, to your point, Cam, Cam's a big guy
3: and they let people get away with a little bit more. Maybe a lot there, more quarterbacks in this league where you breathe on them and the flag flies. And yeah, yes. as a Patriots fan, I mean, I actually think Gronkowski is another player who you can really lay the wood on him mm-hmm. and it's hard to get a flag on like, because he's, you know, he's the, He's like the father who's trying in the father son game when everybody else is just kind of going half speed. You know, I mean, it's just unfair that Rob Gronkowski is as big and as athletic and as agile as he is, and you know the officials are human too. I mean, just I, this just something that makes you want to e- even it out.
1: Right, all right, folks, um, listen up. If you love fantasy football, they need to be playing best ball on my favorite app. Draft. Here's how it works. It's, it's basically, it's, it's you set your lineup and forget it. It's season, you draft, it's season longer with no management. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically selected and you'll get the best score every week guaranteed. Never worry about injuries or last minute benchings again. You can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes. You can join right now, and the best part—you play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start for just three dollars, or from just three dollars. So there's a league for everyone. And this year, they're running a one million dollar best ball tournament. That's got you written all over it, Scott. Just enter the best ball championship, draft the best team, and you could win a piece of a million dollars in prizes. There's no salary caps. You play in a real live snake draft, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. Come join me on draft day. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer by going to Draft.com, whichever way you want to do it. For a limited time, all new players get free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code, WIRE. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code, WIRE, on your first deposit on Draft. So search Draft in the app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free with promo code WIRE for your chance in that million-dollar best ball tournament. Thanks a lot, Draft. All right. All right. I'm looking at your team. I was looking at your team in the Stopa Shining Armor League. Uh, For for a quick recap, uh, a lot of folks from uh, Yahoo and Rotowire and um, some spots elsewhere, I think, play in the
3: Stopa League every year. Is this a new
1: name? Has it always been called the Shining Armor League?
3: No. uh, He's in the process of a career change Okay. um, and a new company. I don't know that much about it, but Shining Armor is going to be in the name, so... Um, yeah, say it as many times as you can, Stopa Shining Armor, and uh, we'll know in a couple of months what exactly that means. But Because um, it doesn't mean his team is, you know, has a bunch of shining armor. But uh, yeah, great guy. Marcus Stopa, great guy, wire contributor, and this is year seven of the Stopa League.
1: Nice. Um, all right, so I'm looking at your team, and it's an auction league, so it's not directly relevant to the way everybody plays. But there's some clues on Scott's team as far as, uh, obviously, guys you like, because if you're in an auction you get the guys you like Something it it, it Do you, when you're in auctions are is there is there a strategy or are you the I'm going to let
3: the draft come to me type I'm definitely in the second camp. I'm definitely agnostic. I mean, I don't want to get caught bidding on somebody I don't want. That's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Where you think you're being cute. Oh, okay, this I, I know, you know, so and so likes this player. I'm just going to bid him up. I'm not like I say I've never done that, but if you get your caught hand caught in the cookie jar, man, it is so painful. So I try not to bid on a player unless I can live with the bidding stopping where I'm at. Got it. Okay. Um, but, but, but that said, that said some people go in an auction and say, look, they'll tell you before the auction starts, I'm going to have these four guys. I don't care what they cost. I, that's never going to be me. So, but you don't do it. I, what I do sometimes is things like,
1: okay, I think the way I've been seeing other auctions go, I think I'd love to come out of here with two mid mid-priced running backs, which is going to get to the draft. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I sort of have a general framework that I, I probably, when thinking I might do, I'm not stuck on it necessarily, but yes. but I kind of go that way.
3: I like the way you frame that. Yeah, I'll have something sketched out in pencil, and the idea being that it's in pencil, and I might, understanding in an auction, you might rip that up in 25 minutes, but I do come in with a general idea of what I think my team might look like, and a lot of times, my teams have depth more than stars, uh, although I do have Antonio Brown, who's you know our first-round pick, or a, a top-priced player, one of the top-priced players in any format, but A lot of times people look at my team and say, oh, okay, you have a lot of good players, but, you know, why is this team special or what makes this team good? And in this particular format, because it's super flex, because they start two tight ends, because there are only five bench spots. I feel like it can be a league where in a lot of fantasy leagues where you start less players, it's going to be, okay. who are your three or four best players? They're just going to dominate how your team does. And then it's going to be filling in around them, even if you're picking up guys. In a league like this, although you know, waiver wire will always be important, it's no surprise to that. But I think it's possible to have a good team in part. You know, why is this team good? Oh, he had two good tight ends, or why is this team good? Oh, his third receiver and flex player were actually scoring decently every week. It's not just about okay, who are your two or three best guys? I think depth is more of part of the story. It's also a fourteen team league. So um, you know, think about that. Two tight ends start every week, fourteen teams. That's yep. twenty eight tight ends off the top before anybody even thinks about maybe having a tight end on their bench, which is the format you might consider that too. Most regular formats, you need one tight end and you're fine. You'll play the waiver wire when you need to. So I think depth is a bigger part of the STOPA discussion than maybe it would be in a lot of general leagues. Okay. So I'm looking at your team,
1: and you spent big money on Antonio Brown, $44. This, um, and and your running backs, back to the, the comment I made about the sort of two mid-priced running backs. You didn't go for the you know, Le'Veon's David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott's you for very, almost the same price. You got Jordan Howard and Alex Collins. If you're drafting instead of auctioning, it, is this the type of team you could wind up with, which would basically look like probably two receivers off the top and then maybe Howard and Collins and three or four or guys like that.
3: Yeah. Well, I think when I got Brown, I got Brown pretty early in the auction. I don't remember exactly when, but, uh, and he went for 51 last year, I actually owned him last year for 51. So I, antonio brown is seven dollars cheaper this year i did not have any problem with that i was advancing the price on brown and was thrilled when it stopped but when i got brown for 44 i think i told myself that that meant some of the top running backs were already off the board some of them weren't but i was not going to have a team that was going to have antonio brown and ezekiel elliott on it i was not going to spend a ton of money on two players because again super flex it basically mandates two quarterbacks and With 14 teams, I know quarterbacks as deep as you know, it's ever been before. So most people don't have to worry about quarterback. I mean, you're just going to have a good answer. Anytime you want to dip into that pool, the water will be warm for you. There's something you're going to like. But with 14 teams needing two starters at quarterback every week, it's a little bit different for us. Some people will have bad quarterbacks in this league or have quarterbacks they're concerned about or quarterbacks they feel like they're giving up ground to. I, I didn't want to be in that position, albeit I'll, I'll I spent less money at quarterback than most people did. So once I got brown at forty four, I get downshifted to. I want to have two running backs I like. I've I've always, you know, I know a lot of people are, you know, zero RB and all that, and you know, just get lucky at running back. I, I see the merits of that strategy. I've never had a problem paying up for running back. Ironically enough, I, I lucked into Gurley last year and Freeman, but those guys weren't cheap. I mean, I, you know, I didn't pay top dollar for either one of them, but I did put resources at running back. Once I got Brown at 44, I think I th- thought to myself, how can I get two running backs I'm happy to start every week but not pay in, in the top shelf, You know, not, not pay at the top of the market? Where can I get maybe some – this is one of my long-running fantasy strategies. I love boring values. I love <laughs> players who are solid and proven and have a resume, but for whatever reason, people are not excited to draft them. And for all the things that are exciting about the Bears this year, new coach, young quarterback – they added a receiver, they added a tight end. You know, Tariq Cohen's going to play more. They drafted Anthony Miller. He looks like an interesting player. Everybody knows Jordan Howard doesn't catch the ball very well. And I think a lot of people want to make Jordan Howard like the odd guy out in this offense. He's been a very solid player the last two years. I, I know he's going to catch probably 15 passes. I don't care. And maybe drop as, as many. I mean, we, we, you know, he's not good in that role, but I think it's a competitive team with a good defense. When they get in close, it's going to be Howard. Mm-hmm. He's going to have fifteen to twenty touches most weeks. Uh, he's a very—you know—nobody's going to be come out of the draft, you know, pumping their fist saying, "Jordan Howard, man, championship." But to me, he's a quiet I thought twenty-two was a very reasonable price for him, and they're not going to kick him to the curb. He's going to have a role. Yes, Tariq Cohen will play. They do different things. Most teams use at least two running backs. I think he's become a boring value player, and that's a player a lot of times I gravitate towards. Okay. Um, you mentioned not spending
1: a lot on quarterbacks. You got Matt Ryan for 27, which I'm guessing is probably, I, I'm looking at ADPs. He's a QB 14. We talked about QB being deep. He, he's the guy of, of all the, and I'm a wait on quarterback guy. And I joke around how, when, when people like us get in drafts, we have a staring contest about who can wait the longest. Right, for quarterback. Right. But Matt Ryan's one of the ones that if I wait, man, I'd love to walk out with him. It's him or Stafford are the guys that if I really wait that I have no problem walking out with because I think the, you know, Ryan, he wasn't as good as the year before, but the touchdowns should kind of, you know, meet somewhere in the middle. And, and I, I just, he's so solid that that I think that he's such a great value where he's being picked.
3: Yeah. You, you mentioned two guys I really like Ryan and Stafford. You, you basically 16 games, write it down. It's funny how Stafford had a, rep of being injury prone and then you know, he showed look i'll play through a separate shoulder i don't care it just was kind of a fluke of how the early part of his career went but he's been a tank since then we've seen the upside with ryan he was the mvp of the league two years ago and i know that obviously shanahan is out the window and they had some growing pains with Sarkeesian, and we'll see how they adjust to that but they still have Julio jones they still have two pass catching backs they were underutilized last year but I think uh, you'll see more of maybe the passing to the backs this year, If at least if Sarkeesian is smart, uh, we'll see more of that. And, you know, they have really good depth at the receiver positions. I mean, Sanu's a good player. Uh, they drafted a first-round receiver in Ridley. Um, and Ryan had a very low touchdown percentage last year that just doesn't make sense to repeat. You just think that that would float up naturally. They were very good on a per-play basis. A team that Vegas had respected all year because they moved the ball easily. A lot of the metrics that they care about, they are good in. So... Boring veteran off a, a down season. I'm in. Uh, you mentioned Stafford. You know Stafford. I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, he's got really good targets to work with. Three good receivers. So they don't have a tight end. So what? Don't care about that. I think you know what you're getting with Stafford. His upside is in, in any year he could be a top five quarterback. Ryan's the same way. I think Philip Rivers maybe to a lesser extent. I like Rivers a little bit less than these two guys. But again, they're the boring. 16 games. We like who they're throwing to. We want to draft their targets. You know, we want to draft. Lions receivers, or we want to draft you know Keenan Allen, we want to draft Julio Jones, or you know the players in this Atlanta offense There's a reason for that. And they have a really good trigger man at quarterback, and he might be getting a discount on some of these guys for different reasons. And uh, you know, I love that. I, again, it's not hard to find a quarterback you like, but if there's ever been a year to wait, this is a, a great season to do so.
1: Yep, absolutely. One guy I want, one other guy on your team I want to talk about. Uh you got Robert Woods pretty cheap, and he is. He's going too cheap in drafts for me. He averaged, I mean, you know, he played 12 games last year. If you average out his, you know, extrapolated stats over a full season, he's up, he's up close to between 75 and 80 catches. He was pretty clearly Jared Goff's favorite guy other than Gurley, I guess. And he's going at, at wide receiver 33. Like, I, am I missing something here?
3: Yeah, I think people are a little nervous about it. Now, oddly enough, I ended up with Cooper Cup, too, which I did not do by choice. Um, I, I got um, Woods for six and Cup for three. I'd I'd like to trade one of those guys if I could, and we'll see if that happens or not. But I think people look at the Rams. Obviously, Gurley dominates the offense, and that's okay. It's not a problem. we I mean, will keep them moving the ball and everything. But with last year, they got Watkins right before the season. This year, they obviously got Cooks, and at least it's well in advance of the season. But... I think people see the three receivers and it makes them nervous. And to which I always say, you know, I, I look at this with with the Lions, with Kenny Galladay, people will say, well, how can Galladay be good? They have Tate, they have Jones. Well, it's like, well, if they don't have a tight end, then you're taking most of them, they have a tight end. Luke Wilson's there, they have some other guys. But they don't have a mouth to feed in the offensive tight end, just like the Rams don't. I know part of that will go to Gurley, but um, – I think people look at the three receivers on the Rams, and they, this the idea is they see three and they want to they want to flee. They want it becomes complicated to people because there's moving parts because there's a new receiver because there isn't necessarily a, you know first or second round receiver here. They you know a lot of these guys, you know, Woods, they remember him in Buffalo as just a so-so player. It's funny, you know, what, what if Buffalo got receivers like I don't know Marquise Goodwin and Chris Hogan and. And Robert Woods. I mean, they have, a, you have Sammy Watkins. They have a pretty good team. They get guys like that. Well, they had all those guys. I think that most of them played at the same time. You know, but with you know a different quarterback and a different system, it's just so funny how you get somebody into a good situation, how different they can look. But I think maybe people are overrating Cooks a little bit. I think maybe people are nervous that this offense looks more crowded than it really is because they haven't factored in the tight end isn't a big part of it. And I agree that I think Woods. There's some guys I think are fantastic values in like that seventh eighth ninth mm-hmm. round i think nelson aguilar is like that i don't think he's that much worse than jeffrey i know they're different players jeffrey plays outside aguilar is a slot guy but and by the way aguilar and woods both a uh, usc connection uh, what they've been a factory for for wide receivers you look back at the guys they've had over the last 15 or 20 years two players i'm going to have a lot of shares of. probably a little bit more aguilar than woods i think they're both underrated because they're maybe overshadowed by who's on their team John.
1: You there, Scott? Sorry. I hit, yeah, yeah. I hit mute by my mistake. Sorry about that, folks. Um, I, I saw something on Tuesday. Someone in our business retweeted something saying that Aguilar might lead the Eagles in targets. And again, that could be coach speak. But yeah, I, I could see that. too. I, I think the last year it was kind of it was funny. The first year he disappointed everybody and maybe it wasn't him that it just wound up to be disappointing, and then last year really kind of stepped up. So, yeah, I, I like that one as well. Um, New Fantasy Football is the next level fantasy football challenge you've been looking for. Experience year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters. Accumulate college player prospects to lead your team in the future or to move for a superstar at the trade deadline. New Fantasy Football never sleeps with year-round trades and off-season arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Ottenew becomes addicted at OttenewFootball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U. New, Better fantasy football. All right. This is your, we're not going to, most days we do an underrated, overrated. Today we're doing an overrated. Who's your overrated quarterback? The guy that you're not going to walk out of drafts with. And it's got to be a guy up sort of toward the top of the food chain.
3: Well, I feel bad because I know we're, I think we're going to duplicate on this, but he just overwhelms the answer for this question that I can't say to anybody else. Yeah. I've seen Deshaun Watson ranked as high as number one. Your, and again, your colleague is doing it, Brad. Uh, two, two of my colleagues. Two of your colleagues. Fo- who's the I other, believe, other one? Uh, Dalton Del Don, who, uh, you know, came from road to wire beginnings and now is a Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, Brad Evans, uh, the recently minted Hall of Famer. And, uh, <laughs> back, he's back from Hawaii and, and ready to start slinging the, the pigskin around. I get Watson. Everything you say about Watson, if you're going to rank him number one in the deepest quarterback pool I've ever seen, it's all backwards facing with six games you know and he's coming yeah. off a major injury and I don't like the offensive line and the defense might be better which which means they don't have to play with their hair on fire like they did last year man I, I could see I have Watson seven and I'm not even comfortable with that I don't even want to draft him there because I just think there's more downside and I can find upside with everybody below him I have to put him somewhere but uh, he's I always feel like I'm going to walk into the room and there's going to be somebody with the Watson jersey on, you know, metaphorically anyway, who wants to draft him so proactively that I don't even really have to think about him. Yep. He's not going to be on any of my teams. And I hate saying that. What an exciting player. He was great at Clemson. Uh, He was a breath of fresh air last year. That game against Seattle was one of the best games of the year. I mean, the game against New England was one of the best games of the year. He's a really good kid When, when they had the, um, The disaster in Houston, I mean, he got involved in that. It seems like a really easy guy to root for. I'd love to be wrong on this, but I cannot bid on the high end of his range with all the things working against him. I I agree. The
1: the thing I keep saying, and again, folks, I mentioned in the beginning that I'm talking about Chris Carson every day. I talk about Deshaun Watson too much too. Um, But what I keep saying is that I I, I don't understand how you can look at Cam Newton and Deshaun Watson and take Deshaun Watson. Because if I got out of Deshaun Watson, what I get, what I already know, I can get out of Cam Newton. I'd be happy.
3: Maybe I'm saying that rushing and not passing, but uh, you it's know. also possible with the, the style of play you know, with RPO stepping into the league and everything. I worry a little bit. This is just part of the argument. This is not the, the meat of the burger. But now that the league has had time to digest, sit back, see what Houston was doing, and they will be better prepared to face it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to factor that in as well. All right, running back, who you got? Who don't you like so much? Well, I've been the radio a bunch with Chris Liss, and he wants to tell you, Liss loves to draft his team and then tell you why it was right, even if he <laughs> didn't realize why it was right when he drafted it. And uh, he's talking about Leonard Fournette, maybe leading lead the league in touches or carries. I, I think that's, I just can't sign up for that. This guy was hurt his entire LSU career. He was hurt last year. I think he's going to, at some point, I mean, look, running backs get hurt as part of the, part of the, bargain what we sign up for i mean you would probably take 14 games from almost any running back you draft but uh, he makes me nervous he did not i know he had the long touchdown against the Steelers. he did not look like this generational like all the stuff they're saying about barkley like once a generation you have to take him you know some people thought that way about Fournette last year i don't not feel he's that guy i think he's just a a good running back who gets hurt a lot who's on an offense that has some fleas uh, on a team that i think is going to regress i i I know um, a lot of people think that their over under is low, but I think everybody in the division improved. To me they look like an eight and eight team with a good offense and a mediocre I'm sorry a good defense and a great defense and a mediocre offense and I think fournette is a risk to miss significant time. Any running back's probably going to miss some time. I'd be worried I'd draft fournette and he might play seven or eight games. Yeah and
1: last year I think the the comp was he was the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson was the popular one. So yeah, I agree with you. He did not look like that well to me. because
3: now it's like Barkley, 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 Barkley. <laughs>
1: right? I a, we get a generational
3: running back every year now. It's well, great. If somebody said to you, you have to bet the rest of the career of Fournette or Barkley, I would say Barkley instantly. I and wouldn't even think about
1: it. Me too. And he he's, he he brings different things to the table, and 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 the days of I, I don't want to pigeonhole Fournette based on one year because I think we might see something a little better, but he looked like
3: more of a bruiser and those type of guys don't always age well now. Right. Right. I mean, other than Marshawn Lynch, I'm trying to think of somebody who took on contact eagerly and lasted a long time. It just does. It's not the way to play. Nope. Um, wide receiver?
1: You know, I want to mention one. Mine is Brandon cooks and he's a little lower on, he's, he's a top 20, basically barely inside the top 20 wide receiver. But, um, I just think, in addition to, and last year, you know, him slotting in for Sammy Watkins and Goff looking to one side of the field and all that, I've talked about that before. The other thing is that the the Rams' passing volume is just not that high, and I I don't. It wasn't last year, and I don't know why. I think they changed that so much.
3: Um, Are are, are you a Cooks guy, sort of end of the fourth, or not? You just worry. I I know some people say, "Well, they signed him to a a long-term contract. You know, you're going to use them. Well, how do I know they're not going to do what they did with Watkins?" You'd hear these scouts say, Watkins was open all game. They were running him on these routes and he, he looked great and they're throwing the ball to other people. Maybe Cooks is their clear out guy. Maybe they're off maybe he's a guy who's much more valuable to the Rams than he is to fantasy football players. And <laughs> I don't think that their offense is gonna pepper the ball to anybody. I mean, I know I, I talked up Woods earlier, but that's a lot of that is price driven. And the fact that because he missed those four games last year, his stats don't look as shiny and as appealing as they would have in a full season. Uh, yeah, to me, Cooks is, is an easy guy to pass because I just think you can do just about as well on this offense if you take somebody later. All right. Who's your overrated wide receiver
1: if it's not Cooks?
3: Well, Jeff, Jeffrey certainly is somebody I don't want. Um, we talked about him a little bit earlier. You know, he had the worst catch rate of any qualified receiver last year, and yet he only averaged about a little over 13 yards a catch. I can live with a low catch rate if you're at 18 or 19 yards a pass. Or I can live with a low yards per catch if you're catching 65% of your passes. You gotta do one or the other. Yeah. Last year, Jeffrey, you know, a lot of touchdown deodorant, meaning that you know he had games where he didn't play that well. He'd catch three or nine passes, but he caught a touchdown, so he lived with it. Great in the playoffs, but then he had shoulder surgery. The team is gonna be really careful with him this summer. Talked about Aguilar as being one of my targets, another team that just they really don't care who gets the ball. It's gonna be a lot of hurts. They're going to have other receivers. They use they. They will throw the ball to their backs. I think Corey Clement is a very interesting sleeper. Um, Darren Sproles apparently is going to play until he's fifty. Uh, it's amazing that he's still on the field. But they think they're going to get something from him. Um, Jeffrey to me is an easy guy. You know, going in the third round in some drafts, fourth round in some drafts. I don't have any of him. Do you want somebody a little bit pricier? You know, AJ Green is so good, but he's gotten to a point where he hasn't played full seasons enough in recent years and the, the Bengals, you know, they still have Marvin Lewis for some reason and Dalton, uh, who I do have, by the way, have in that the Stopa league, I'm yep. not thrilled about it, but uh, I, I just feel like the, the Bengals are going to be a team that's really close to saying we need to tear it all down and remodel. And Igit Green's part of the solution. He's not part of the problem, but, I don't feel comfortable with him being one of my top two players. I, I, maybe I can't even really put my finger on it. I just want to step away from Cincinnati if I can.
1: I agree with you. Actually, it was funny when I was putting together this list before instead, before I wrote Cooks down, I was I was looking hard at A.J. Green too. So I'm with you. Um, tight end. Who, who, who don't you like so much? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's in, tight end is interesting this year because it's different than it's been that some people are putting Kelsey on top. Zach Ertz is finally getting the recognition he deserves. Who are you? Who
3: do you think is going a little too high? I don't know what to do with Jimmy Graham. He was a goal line back last year. He scored all these cheap touchdowns. I mean, they count. He high points the ball. He's an athlete, but he was horrible. You know, everywhere else on the field. Yeah. And now he goes to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, you know, still terrific. But all these other tight ends who have gone to Green Bay or been pumped up by Green Bay have not amounted to much. And I'm just worried that. If Graham doesn't get nine or ten touchdowns, you're going to be let down. I mean, if he scores six or seven times, it may be with like 40 catches or something. I, Obviously not a blocker, but that kind of works in his favor. I and mean, We don't want our tight ends to take out the trash. But Graham was so bad in the middle of the field last year and when he wasn't getting short touchdowns. And now he's changed teams to a team that isn't necessarily – they have guys who can score touchdowns. I mean, Devontae Adams – one of my favorite bar bets: go into the bar and say, "Who has the most touchdown catches the last two years?" <laughs> Unless you're in Wisconsin, nobody's going to get Adams right away. That's going to take a while on that. But and he caught them from Hundley too, which is really impressive. But something something doesn't pass the smell test with Graham. I, you're you're banking on, I, of course, your touchdown dependency is what you need with your tight end. It's a big part of this position, but. I'm not going to have any Graham this year. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to draft George Kittle, or I'll, I'll draft Doyle, or maybe I'll try a Tampa Bay tight end or something like that. I, Graham makes me nervous. I, 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 another one.
1: We agree. We, we're agreeing on a lot of stuff today. It might make for boring, uh, you know, lack of uh, debate. But I, I think we're going to go on and
3: rip you shreds. I'll just totally say everything. Everything Halpin said today is wrong. Excellent.
1: <laughs> embracing debate right that's what we got to do embracing faux debate right? or not um all right folks listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day rotowire trial rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed that lets you check out nearly all the features on the site check it out now rotowire.com slash pod by the way i'm going to tweet out a link to that um scott's stopa draft wrap-up so you can see how everybody auctioned and and uh let them know what you think what else are you gonna be working on in the near future scott
3: uh, well, just football all the time. We did our quarterback sleepers as a collaborative uh, yesterday at Yahoo. Uh, that being what Tuesday was yesterday. Today's Wednesday, right? And yeah. then we just put out our running back uh, values. It looks sleeper, whatever, undervalued players, you know, players to target. I mean, you can use so many different terms. some The, the word sleeper turns some people off. But um, we're talking about guys you don't have to spend a lot of money on. You should be targeting in the middle rounds. So check that out. I mean, a quarterback was easy. We I could have picked like three or four quarterbacks. I mean, it's a right. little bit more important to hit at, at the running back and receiver position. So we'll be doing that all week. Of course, Yahoo Fantasy Football, open for business, draft, auction, mock, uh, keeper league, You know, all sorts of stuff. I think it's the most intuitive site around. I'm, I'm proud. I don't have anything to do with the game design, but I think they've done a really good job with it. And I'm proud to be a part of it. And um, catch me on Twitter, Scott underscore Pianowski. You want to talk football, music, food, whatever, baseball. Uh, I'm around anything, 19, 20 hours a day. Anything except the Red Sox, I'll be happy to talk with you on Twitter, Scott. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they have a great July team. We'll see if they have a great playoff team. Sure. I, you know, sale getting some maintenance right now, which he probably needs. But don't love their number two, number three uh, star. You're a Red Sox guy, I'm sorry, Yankees guy? I'm a Yankees, yes. I uh, like their team. I like how Brian Cashman was just getting what he needs pretty cheaply from other teams. I, mean, I thought they got Hap incredibly—I know he, he may not be healthy right now, but I, I thought they got Hap very cheap. I thought the Tampa Bay trade was good for them, or the Baltimore trade, the, the Britain trade. Right? Right. I think they got him really cheap. Um, Brian Cashman, I, I think it's a bad rap. I mean, you know, look, look what they did with Stanton. I know he hasn't had the best of seasons, but um, yeah, I think Brian nothing. Cashman is one of the best GMs in the league. And for some reason, it seems like people are always dumping on the guy.
1: I agree. I think people—it's—it's the—it's the reflex of you know. Well, he has all the money, so
3: he better be perfect. And um, he's smart. He's a smart guy, and he's more much more shrewd, I think, than people realize. People just think, okay, they just walk in with the wad of cash and the checkbook and get whatever they want. Well, there's other teams that have that resource advantage. The Dodgers have it. The Cubs have it. The Red Sox have it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think he does a very good job. It, it, does he have um, you know a lot of resources to work with? Yes. Does he do an excellent job with that? I think absolutely yes. I think. He and does by too. the way, ask uh, ask the Cubs if they'd like play Claybar, Clay Torres back. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Absolutely. That was that was a that that still one of the greatest trades. I I, I I know they won the World Series, so I mean, look, flags fly forever, and that team needed a, a flag to fly. it had been a while, but um, I wonder if they maybe they would have won the World Series anyway. It's, it we'll never know. But right,
1: and that, and that's us. You know, we're I, I think pe- people who who do what we do and our, and our, let's say, number centric, tend to look at, you know, the closer, is it that important? Can't you get someone? I don't know. That's a, a, that's a story conversation for another day, I think. So, um, all right, Scott, thank you so much, um, for joining me. Really appreciate it. Folks. If you like the podcast, please leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening. And thank you for listening to this edition of the road to our fantasy football podcast sponsored by draft.com. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode. Come on back. So come on back then for Scott Pianowski. I'm John Halpin. See you next time.